Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This is your host, Amy Bailey, and I have with me today, Laura Gordy. Hey, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. <laughs> you so, say it like it's a chore, like I'm agreeing to do it, like you had to coerce me to do it. It's an honor. Luckily, you were very gracious about that, but you are also a pelvic health PT like I am, so I love getting other um, people in my field on here so we can just kind of gab about what we love to talk about and what we love to do. Nerd out a little bit. Yeah, well, give everybody a little bit of background on you and who you are as a practitioner. Yeah, yeah. Um, I live in the same area Amy does in the Nashville area. I'm a little further south um, than you are. Although I feel like Nashville is just like, it's like Dallas, like you live in Dallas, but you don't live in Dallas. You know, you live, you know, Nashville's like that. Um, from Louisiana though. So any Southerners in the house, whoop, whoop, which I guess Tennessee is also Southern, but not really. If you're from Louisiana, Tennessee is not the South. Um, but yeah, like Amy said, I'm a pelvic floor PT. Um, been practicing in Louisiana, I mean, in Tennessee for a few years and I was in Louisiana prior to that. And I love what I do. It was not my intention coming out of school at all. Um, and the Lord just kind of was like, this is what you're doing. Have fun. And I'm obsessed with it as I know you are too. So I'm really excited to be here and to nerd out with you about what we love to do. Yay. So my husband's from New Orleans. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, I don't know that we talked about that. No. So he's like actually from Louisiana. I'm from Shreveport Bossier, which I mean, we're Louisiana, but we're not. It's so far north. Like we're more Texas, Arkansas than we are Louisiana. So if you yeah. can tell from my non-Cajun accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't born there, but he went down there when he was in elementary school through high school. So he grew up there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We love Louisiana. I love New Orleans. Just the whole. It's a, it's a special place. It's got a lot of culture. Um, I love it, but we're very, my husband and I are very thankful that we're here and, and creating our home here. We're very, we're very blessed to be in this area. Yes. I don't know that I could do what I do in my hometown nearly as pervasively as yeah. I do here. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So you also recently had a baby. I did little nugget. Um, Evie is six months, um, almost mm -hmm. seven. So yeah, it's been, it's been really great to, I, I always thank the, the Lord when I get to go through something that my patients experience, even the not so great things, you know, like, um, you know, before I moved here, I dealt with incontinence as a young 20 year old. I dealt with dyspareunia um, as a newlywed and uh, pain with penetration for people who don't know what dyspareunia is. And um, I'm just as sucky as those were. I'm just really thankful that I got to go through it. And now I'm glad that I know what it's like to be pregnant. And I know what it's like to feel vulnerable in those first weeks postpartum. And um, it's, it's been great. Yeah. She's a, she's a huge blessing. Well, it just adds to your story and how you can help people. Yeah. I think 
there's a little bit of reason in everybody why they do what they do, whether it's from personal experience or they knew somebody who, you know, went through things like you hear about people who do cancer research. We were talking about the cancer center earlier. A lot of people who do cancer research, it's because they had cancer, a family member had cancer, you know, it just, it adds a level of personalization to what we get to do, which I appreciate. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Okay. So what did you want to talk to us about today? Yeah. Um, we are going to talk about the kind of unlocking healing through a mental and emotional shift that needs to happen. Um, I being someone who's gone through pelvic issues, um, I, I know, I understand that journey of those feelings and emotions that are in existence when you're dealing symptoms, what it's like to have to heal. And then the shift that needs to happen after healing has occurred. Um, I think in my practice specifically, this has been a theme since day one. It's been a theme since day one to see people really struggle with that shift that has to happen. And I've seen it more than anything else, hold people back from their healing. And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it for the practitioners that are listening and for the um, people who aren't practitioners who are listening, knowing how important it is to address that mental and emotional side in order to experience physical healing. It's so that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's such a journey. And I think, yeah. I think you're like me. Um, I didn't start in pelvic health and- Oh, really? I don't know that we've talked about this. Have oh, I, I started my career in pediatrics. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so funny. I wanted to do peds and then I realized I don't have the energy for this. Well, I used to have energy before I had kids. <laughs> yeah. I started in pediatrics and was in the NICU and, um, yeah. through a course of moves, I ended up in outpatient orthopedics because the, where we relocated to, they didn't have a pediatric job for me. So I went to orthopedics and hated it. <laughs> and I just treated a bunch of men who played golf and tennis and didn't listen to one word I said. Yeah. So got thrown into women's health. My boss suggested it. I was in a small private practice. And she said, well, why don't you take a women's health course? And I didn't know anything about women's health. Nothing, not one thing. And I took it though. And I came back to work, had a wait list, realized I really could help people. I made yeah. it. And then struggled with my own pelvic health issues. And so then it became real and it became personal. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so funny. That is so funny that you like, didn't want to do women's health and, and no, you know, yeah. that's I mean, amazing. Like, well, like so many of our clients, they don't know what pelvic health is right, or what we do or that we exist, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think I, I, my very first patient ever speaking of like identity shifts that had to happen. My very first like pelvic patient, she, um, had, had pain with sex for 16 years. And part of it was because pelvic health just wasn't really a thing in our area. And that's why it took so long for her to find help and to find her healing. Um, and so, you know, she's, she's a great example of somebody who her physical and mental and emotional healing happened at the same time which is, I think, why she was able to heal so quickly. I mean, even though she'd had pain for 16 years, I mean, that's a long time. And so she's coming to me feeling broken and disconnected from her husband. And just like, it's been part of who she is for so long. Um, it, it was amazing to see as she's healing, she's, her, her whole countenance is changing. You know, she's 
she's um, more at peace. She, she is more confident, even just walking into the clinic, her whole countenance changes as she's experiencing healing. And then after that healing's occurred, you know, her, her marriage is totally different. And it's not just because she could be more free to be intimate with her husband. Um, but I think they both had been carrying the weight of her struggling with something for so long, just to have that both lifted off of them and lifted off their marriage was just so freeing, but she's a great example of somebody who this happened very naturally, just at the same time. And, and what I kind of wanted to talk about today is when that doesn't occur, when, when people kind of hold on to that identity of I'm broken or I have pelvic pain or I leak and it, it stalls and hinders their ability to experience healing. Um, unlike this girl who was just like, let's do this thing. You know, she really had a lot of freedom. It was cool to see. Um, but let's just dive in. So I'm going to kind of like break it down into what people are experiencing before healing, which we talk a lot about, um, during healing and after healing, which that after healing part is, I think what needs to be talked about a little bit more, but before healing, this is what, like I said, we talk about this all the time, um, which is good. We talk about the feelings of feeling lonely and feeling disconnected from our husband or from our children. If we're leaking and we don't feel like we can play or whatever, we're feeling inadequate. We're feeling, maybe we're feeling unclean because we feel like we smell like urine or whatever. Um, we talk about these things a lot and I'm really glad we do because it, it helps people feel not alone in their symptoms and their feelings, but it also really encourages people to get help, which is why we talk about it as practitioners all the time. You know, you don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel broken. You know, we can help it. And it, I'm glad that we discuss those things, um, all the time, but I kind of feel like we kind of, we kind of stop there a little bit. Um, one of the things that I encourage my clients to do and, and anybody listening is to, write down what you're telling yourself about yourself. So it can be words like, like when I, um, was peeing on myself, um, I was telling myself that I, I definitely felt things like I am gross or unclean. Um, I felt like I was broken because here I am like a young 20 year old. I have no reason for the audio listeners, quote unquote <laughs> reason, um, to be peeing on myself. I have no major abdominal surgeries. I haven't had children, like no major traumas. Like, I don't know why I'm peeing on myself. So I felt very broken. Um, and I was telling these things to myself and claiming those things over myself. So I encourage people to write those things down. What are you saying about yourself? Are you saying I'm a bad mom because I can't get on the floor and play? I'm a bad wife because I can't be free in my expression of intimacy with my husband. I'm um, a bad friend because socially I'm the person that has to go to the bathroom all the time and I'm holding people back. What are you saying about yourself? And then who is telling you that? So an example is um, I feel like a bad mom because I can't play and jump with my children for whatever reason. Who is saying that you're a bad mom? Is it your children? Are your children saying you're a bad mom? Is it your mom played well with you? And so you feel like you have to live up to that standard. Um, is your husband making you feel like a bad mom? Is it social media where you're comparing yourself to these other moms and you're like, they're able to jump on the trampoline with their kids. Why can't I? Um, is it your own just expectations of what a good mom, quote unquote, good mom looks like? 
who is telling you these lies that you're speaking over yourself? Because I guarantee you, um, they're not from good sources. They're not from people that love you. And it's not from the Lord. It is from it's lies. It's what it is. It's lies. Um, so I, I guess my, my question to you, Amy is like, what, what are you hearing your clients say, whether they're saying it out loud or you just get a sense, like, what are you feeling like most people coming to you are feeling? I am broken. I hear that more than anything else. I'm alone. Nobody else has ever dealt with this. Um, So much of that, of just women feeling like they are the only ones going through whatever the issue is. Isn't that crazy? It's, um, I saw, um, actually, oh gosh, what's her name? Um, her clinic name, Southern Pelvic Health. She's in Atlanta. Um, she posted the other day about how glad, how thankful we are, how glad we are that public health is becoming more and more aware, um, or awareness is increasing and, and it's almost becoming trendy now, um, to talk about pelvic health. And I, I'm so thankful because there are so many women who feel alone and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, how alone people feel and there's no need. I mean, if we would just talk about these things, yeah, I encourage them to find someone they do trust to talk to. Yeah. And I, you know, most people are surprised that they have friends going through similar issues or have yeah. been through the issues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised that you hear that word like broken a lot. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's natural because pelvic issues are happening in a very, um, intimate area, a very, um, core part of who we are, um, as humans, as women, there's a lot of really important things that happen in our pelvic area. You know, a lot of um, Eastern medicine really considers the pelvis and the core as the center of our being. And so, you know, when that something's wrong there, it really does make us feel broken, not just physically, but as a whole person. And you don't really hear people say that a lot about their shoulder, you know, oh, my shoulder hurts. I don't necessarily feel broken on the inside. I'm I'm annoyed, you know, I am frustrated. I feel like held back, but I don't feel inadequate. Like I don't feel like a broken person, you know? So true. Uh, yeah. I, I think I have, I had a patient I'll talk about her, um, through these different stages. We'll just call her Jessica. And, um, the identity that she was claiming over herself was she will never be able to lift heavy things or jump, um, because she's postpartum. And so you hear in that statement, I can never do these things because I am this. It's very much she's claiming this identity over herself of brokenness. And words are really powerful um, in what you say over yourself and and not just your ability to get help, but your ability to see that help through and to see change happen in your healing. And I think the the power in the words goes both ways. It, not just from the patient or the client and what they're telling themselves, but also the practitioner. We need to be very careful what we say mm-hmm. to our clients, especially on that eval day. We get really nerdy and really excited about what we do when we talk about like, oh, their pelvic floor is weak or it's tight or they're not breathing right or their hips are, you know, weak or I don't know, they're not coordinated or whatever it is. We get so excited because we know that those things are fixable. And we know that those things mean there's stuff we can work on and it's so exciting and we nerd out. And so to us, those words mean hope to us. Those words mean, um, potential, but to the client who's hearing 
those things. You know, when we sit down and we talk about what we're finding or whatever, they're hearing I'm broken. They're hearing my body's not working right. They're hearing, I can't even freaking breathe. Right. Like what's wrong with me that I like, can't even breathe correctly. You know, they're, we're feeding the wrong beast. We're feeding the beast that's saying they're inadequate or there's something wrong, quote unquote, wrong with them. We're feeding the wrong beast. When we say that, when we think we're feeding the encouraging beast, the beast that says there's something that we can do. We think we're feeding that beast, but a lot of the time we're feeding, we're feeding the wrong one. So I feel like as practitioners, we really need to be in tune with our clients and knowing what they're feeling um, and meeting them on that level, as opposed to like trying to impose our excitement on them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I've totally been guilty of that. And I've had to, well, apologize to patients, number one, when I didn't mean to hurt their feelings and I did. Or preface the whole conversation with, I may trigger you during this conversation. That is not my intention, but it may happen. Yeah. Just owning it. I think even if clients can just know that, that we're just so excited and this is what we do for a living and we're so nerdy about it. I think it helps them understand that as well. Um, But just being aware, being aware of the emotions that people are carrying. And I think, like you said, you've experienced some pelvic issues as well. And so you can understand those, how close their identity is to those feelings. Um, yeah. And speaking of identity, going into the next phase, which is during the healing process, one of the holdups I see a lot is people wanting a word for a diagnosis. They want you to tell them what's wrong specifically. Um, and I think the reason is they have attached their identity to their symptoms for so long. Um, I am someone who leaks. I am someone who has pain. I am someone who can't have sex, whatever it is. And they are seeking that diagnosis, that word, that, that word prolapse, that word, you know, SI joint dysfunction, that word disc herniation, whatever it is, they're wanting that word so that they can shift their identity to that word. Um, because they've held that identity on their symptoms for so long, they want, they need that identity to shift to a diagnosis. And I get it. It's very natural. It's very normal to want to do that. That's why so many people want to get MRIs of their back when they have low back pain, they don't want to hear, Oh, we don't need an MRI. Like we know how to, you know, we know how to fix this. There's, you know, it's very simple. We can do this. They want to hear you have a disc herniation, even if that's not what's causing their symptoms, even if it's been there since they were two, like (laughs) they, they want to hear that diagnosis. And I think it's, it's multifaceted. It's like I said, they want, it's easy to shift your identity to that. Um, but then also it, it almost gives you an out during the healing process that I think people want like, oh, I have prolapse. So if I don't get better, this is why, or, oh, I have prolapse. So I don't have to work hard to get better because I have prolapse. So like, what you going to do? Or if I don't get better as quickly as I think, or if I have a setback or whatever it's, they want that identity because it's easy to uses an excuse, which sounds really harsh. Um, and I say this out of love and I say this out of having been there. Um, but, but it's, 
that's part of the problem. I think in what holds people back in their healing is wanting to hold on to that diastasis diagnosis or vulvodynia or whatever name you want to throw out there. It really holds, it holds people back. I don't know if you're seeing that, but I'm seeing that a lot. I do see it. And I see it, especially when people are starting to make progress and then maybe they plateau. Yes. And so then it becomes hard. The journey becomes really hard at that point when we know there's going to be more healing, but we need time for our bodies to, and mind and heart and everything to sort of work together. And when we get to that phase, that's when I see that diagnosis concern come up. Yeah. Well, healing is not linear. It's not this straight line and it's not an on off switch. Uh, I think the appeal of diagnoses as well is their, their, um, potential to have an on-off switch. Oh, you have prolapse. Let's flip a switch. Let's have surgery and fix it. Or, oh, you have whatever. Like they, they think it's this on-off switch or this linear kind of, oh, once we can identify it and name it, then it's just, we're going to be able to easy sail in from here. And that's just, it's not the case. Healing is four visits. How many visits? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And it's not, that's not how the body operates. It's not, it's not how it works. Um, healing is very much a journey and it two steps forward, one step back. And, um, I think that's why the feelings that we're seeing a lot during the healing process are feelings of frustration, um, hope, even discouragement, overwhelm. Um, is this my forever? I, I, Oh, I just thought about this This is such a great analogy. I was with a friend a couple of days ago, who is a new mom, like just had her baby, I don't know, four weeks ago, brand new mom. And she's saying all the same things I said to myself as a new mom, which was like, oh my gosh, is this how the rest of my life is going to be? Like you just, every change that happens in that newborn season, especially for moms who've never done this before, you don't know how quickly things change. You don't know that three months is totally different than four weeks and six months is totally different than three months postpartum. You just don't know. You think, is this my forever? Am I always going to be waking up in the middle of the night? Am I always going to be this tired? Am I, are my boobs always going to hurt this bad? Like you just feel like it's forever. And, and I think that those feelings during the healing process are similar. People think, Oh, I'm always going to have to work this hard in my pelvic rehab. I'm this is, I'm always going to have to do these exercises. I'm always going to have to think this hard about my breathing. I'm always going to have to think this hard during my workout. And, um, it's just not the case. It's not the case. Um, it's a journey. And I think, um, I think it's important that we address that with our patients as well. Um, I had a chiropractor actually do this really, really well. Um, was the first time I'd ever seen it done this well, just explaining that this is a season, like going this hard on your health is temporary. You're just listening to what your body needs. You're handling it. And then you can go on from there. Um, I, I think with this patient, I'm going to call her Jessica. Um, what I saw with Jessica, the one who was I'm never going to be able to lift heavy. I'm never going to be able to jump because I'm postpartum during her healing. There was very much ups and downs and it was very much stress related. So when she was having higher stress levels, her symptoms would be a little bit worse. And, you know, she was moving in a good direction, but it was very much up and down. And, and she was feeling all these same feelings of like, this is always going to be this way. You know, I'm always going to be dealing with incontinence. I'm always going to be limited in my workouts. And it's, um, I think we need that's why I love, um, um, what I want to say, like programs in pelvic PT, instead of doing it 
PRN visit by visit, encourage people to sign up for an entire treatment plan because it's so easy visit two, visit three, whatever it is for them to just like get discouraged and peace out or to get overwhelmed and peace out. And they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we do a lot of the times and knowing that if you would just hold on for like a couple more months, like you're about to be like free, you're about to see major change. And so encouraging people to stay, stay consistent until the end. I don't know how, how do you encourage? I mean, I need to work on this so much. Um, how do you encourage your clients to not quit? I mean, it's just talking to them and I try to set the stage the very first visit and just let them, same thing we just talked about, healing is not linear. And I tell them, I'm a holistic PT. You are not just gonna see someone who's gonna come in here and give you a bunch of exercises. We are gonna talk about everything from your family life to your sleep, to what you're eating. Like it's a very, just full body treatment. Yeah. I just try to keep, you know, if there are times where we're going through something hard, I might change the plan of care and do something that is easy for a while Mm. and just keep them on board, keep them moving their body, working on their breath, lowering their stress. I do a lot of, you know, positive affirmations and writing things down. So we may go through a season of just turning, (laughs) turning off the light and breathing and talking positive to ourselves. You know, it just, it looks different for everyone, but it looks different for every session sometimes too, depending on where we are in the healing journey. Wow. I really... I'm going to take that note for sure. I really like the idea of having a patient audibly say good things. You know, I had a chiropractor do that too. You know, um, um, Dr. Pridmore at um, Roots, he did that when I was seeing him while I was pregnant, he would have me, he'd say, what's one thing you're thankful for today? Or what's one thing you're, you know, you appreciate about yourself today. And the first couple of times it really took me off guard. I was like, something I appreciate about myself. Like, what does that have to do with you? You know, helping me dominate this pregnancy. Like, what are you talking about? Um, but it always made me smile and it always got some like positive hormones flowing through my brain. And I, I think that's awesome. I need to, I'm going to start doing that in my practice too. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's so helpful. And I have people write down a lot of times things that they think they are doing well in their life. Mm. put them somewhere write three things you're doing well in your life put them somewhere you can see them and they might not have anything to do with pelvic health wow but just any sort because we are so hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. and life is hard especially that like we're talking that early postpartum stage that is a whole shock to the system (laughs) (laughs) yeah you thought you were doing life okay here's a newborn I had a patient the other day. She was like, they sent me home with this baby. There were no instructions. She was just so flabbergasted. Like, I can't believe they gave me this baby to go home with. And she was doing great. But, you know, it's, just, it's still, even if you yeah. are a good mom and if things are going well, it's still a change to your yeah. rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think I liked what you said about we are so critical of ourselves. And I think we hinder our growth, our healing so much because of that, not just our healing, you know, public health wise or whatever, but our, our growth in life, our, our growth in relationships, our growth as an individual, because we're so critical, it, you know, having those critical feelings, those judgment, that fear, that lack of control that we have on a daily basis, it actually physiologically blocks some of the positive hormones 
from reaching our brain. You know, you see this a lot in labor, women who are very fearful in labor, um, their pain levels are going to increase because they're not getting those positive, those, you know, pain controlling hormones to their brain. And, and that happens a lot during pelvic floor healing or pelvic healing in general. You know, if you're clinging on to that, I'm postpartum, I have prolapse, I uh, have pelvic pain, I'm going to be broken forever. You're telling yourself those things. You're claiming those things over yourself. You're actually physically blocking some of your healing from taking place. The brain is a very powerful thing. Um, so I'm really glad you said that about how critical we are of ourselves because we, we are, and it's so crazy. It's so crazy. I don't know why we do this to ourselves and I'm the worst yeah. at it. Well, I, I feel like high achievers or people, you know, that are tr very successful in life are that way because we yeah. want to achieve, you know, I love yeah. how you're saying claiming those things over ourselves too. That just really put some affirmation to it, you know, that it's not just words going through our head. We are literally speaking that over ourselves. Right. Right. We are. We are. And I think, I, I don't know where in our history we decided to do this, but we stopped understanding how the body communicates. And I think it's feeding into why we're panicking over these things like incontinence or pelvic pain or prolapse or whatever. God in his wisdom gave our bodies the ability to communicate with us. And, but the only way they can do that is through pain and through things going wrong. And, and how else is your body going to tell you, Hey, you're, you know, creating too much pressure down here. Hey, you are not moving enough. Hey, um, you know, how else is your body going to speak those things to you other than through discomfort other than you see that in labor as well. Like, like during labor, your body's going to tell you, I need you to change positions. I need you to get up and move. I need you to get out of this bed. I need you to get on hands and knees. I need you to do a squat because it's trying to tell you the baby needs help. Your body needs help. Like that's literally the only way it has to communicate. And if we'd stop looking at it as something's wrong and look at it as, oh, what is my body trying to say here? And that's part of our job as professionals is to say, hey, I think your body might be saying, um, you're breathing a lot up here and it's really limiting your pelvic floor movement, or it's really causing just a lot of stress in your body all the time. Um, or, you know, Hey, your incontinence is, is trying to tell you that, um, you're lifting way too much weight that your body's used to right now. You know, it's your body is not trained to lift this much weight. We need to work toward it. We need to build up some strength. Um, how else is your body supposed to say those things? And instead of like panicking, um, just be like, oh, okay, thanks body for communicating with me. Um, I appreciate it. So many of us, especially athletes, if you have been an athlete in your life, you are taught to ignore what your body tells you, you know, just keep yeah. running those miles. It's okay if your knee hurts or if you're leaking <laughs> or whatever, just, yeah. you know, I, I said, I was going to run 13 miles today. I'm running 13 miles, you know, like we, yes. We just talk ourselves out of listening to our body. And instead of saying, oh, it's my body speaking, we're saying there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that, um, running I'm a, I'm a runner. So like, I totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. It's on the schedule to run 13 miles, you know, I have to run 13 miles. Oh. Um, and I think postpartum has actually been really good for my running because I have learned to listen. Like the other day I ran two miles. I was supposed to run three. But I only ran two because after I got 
through too, I was just really tired and I could tell my form was being weird and I was running heavy and it's like, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop. I can't correct it right now because I keep trying to correct it. And I just keep going back into that heavy, you know, whatever. Um, so I just need to stop. And, and I what think, would you have said to yourself five years ago? If you oh, suck it up. Like you only got one more mile. Um, I actually injured myself during my pregnancy because of that mindset. I was doing some like lunges and I only had five more reps. Like I knew my inner thigh was like kind of trying to talk to me. Like this is a little much for your changing body right now. And I was like, oh, but I only have five more reps. Like I have to be even, right? I did 15 on this side. I have to do 15 on this side. And I pulled my like inner thigh muscle because I was being a dumb butt. Like <laughs> anyway, anyway, not the point. Anyway, I think <laughs> transitioning when we talk about, um, brain shift and, and just knowing how to listen to our bodies that really goes into this after healing, which I really want to hound on because I think that recently my patients have had a really, really hard time. And I hear the same things over and over again in this after healing part. So, you know, this is when Jessica now can do her workout. She can lift heavy things. She can, um, jump without leaking. And it's a really exciting thing. Um, but if identity shift doesn't happen, there can be a lot of problems later on down the road. You've identified so long with being broken and postpartum, uh, having incontinence, having prolapse, having dyspnea, whatever it is. You've identified so long that you now struggle with knowing how to live the rest of your life now that healing has happened. So like someone who's never, my husband, someone who's never had a major issue, right? If he's working out and he, he feels his shoulder hurt, um, he's not thinking, oh my gosh, I can never do this bench press ever again. Um, I just have to stay away from this. You know, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do rehab for the rest of my life. What he's thinking is, oh, I probably put too much weight on that. Or, oh, I probably didn't warm up or whatever. Let me change this and try again. Or maybe I'm just having an off day. Let me try tomorrow. That's what he's thinking. He's not thinking, oh, I'm just the worst. I'm broken. Um, it's because I, you know, it's because I'm a dad, like, oh, you know, lifted Evie all the time. It's her fault. You know, he's not thinking those things like, cause he's never had anything wrong. The problem with having incontinence or having pelvic pain or having dyspnea is that it's really hard to let go of that and treat yourself like a quote unquote normal person. You know, you used to leak when you jump. Now, if you ever leak, you're like, oh, I'm a failure. Like I am just going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. Like I'm never going to be able to do CrossFit. I'm never going to be able to run a marathon. Um, and you don't know how to treat yourself like a normal person. You, you, um, think that you can't start a new workout because you have incontinence instead of you can't just jump in headfirst to a new workout because it's not wise. You know, everybody should progress. Everybody should modify. Everybody should listen to their body. It's not because you used to leak. It's not because you used to have pain with sex. You know, I, I, I think I see it most with people who had pain with sex. I think more than anybody else, they think that they're going to have to overthink sex for the rest of their life. They're going to have to do an hour of foreplay just to be ready or whatever it is. They're going to have to use dilators 
forever. Um, and that's just not the case. They need to learn to listen to the stress levels of their body. If you're having a higher stress day, yeah, your pelvic floor is probably going to be a little on the tight side because that's just how the body works. Or if you, you know, are super stressed, maybe a quickie is not for you because your pelvic floor might not be ready for that. That you might need to like loosen it up a little bit, relax things out. Your body was designed for foreplay to get ready for penetration. That's how it works. It's not because you had dyspareunia. It's because that's how your body works. And, and being able to let go of that identity is really, really hard. You are not a woman who has incontinence. That's not who you are. You're a human. You're a woman who needs to pay attention to her body and um, not just go run a marathon without training for it, not try to lift a hundred pounds if you've never lifted 50. Right. You know, um, that's not because you had incontinence. It's because you're a human. You know, and I think patients, clients have a really hard time getting out of that. I'm in rehab or I'm in therapy mode. Mm -hmm. They need to start shifting to, I'm just going to take it season by season. There may be a season where I have to focus more on my pelvic health again. You know, I focused really, really hard for these six months, these three months, whatever, however long it took to experience healing. Um, you don't have to do that for the rest of your life. You don't have to concentrate that hard. Um, but there may be a time when you do have to spend a couple weeks kind of revisiting. Um, I like to tell people about myself. I, my body airs on the side of tight. That's, that's why I peed on myself. That's why I had pain with sex. I just, I've always aired on the side of tight. Um, do I have to do pelvic floor relaxation, dilator work, you know, whatever for the rest of my life? No, no, I don't. But postpartum, I did some dilator work, you know, because I was feeling a little tight. And, and when I get older, I may have to do another round of whatever, just because that's the way my body, what my body needs, not because I'm broken, not because I have dyspareunia, not because I have incontinence. It's just part of being a human, listening to your body and adjusting along the way. I'm not a therapy patient anymore. Well, what would happen if someone had tightness in their shoulders? Oh, they'd just go get a massage. They wouldn't think, oh, I'm broken. It's because I am chronic trigger point shoulder lady. I don't know. You know? Yeah, right. right. They would deal with it case by case basis. They would, they would, um, I'm big on like preventative care. So, you know, the, if you consistently take care of your body, you stay mobile, you don't sit all day, you eat well, you, you know, you drink water, you, um, do what it takes to keep your body in a great state. Well, then you can deal with things just as they come up. Oh, I'm feeling a little tight. I should probably, you know, do some yoga before I go to bed or, um, you know, like right now I'm feeling real tight in my shoulders. And so like when I was breastfeeding, I was like, oh, I'm probably feeling tight in my shoulders. Cause like I'm feeding her like this. Yeah. Uh, well, you can see this on podcast. I'm all like hunched over. <laughs> so, all moms know that posture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That hunched over shoulders forward, neck hunched, you know, um, that posture is why I'm feeling tight. So I just listen to it and, and adjust accordingly. And I think that if we can help our patients understand that they are modifying things, that they're progressing because it's wise, not because they're broken, um, it'll really help them let go of those those things that, like we were saying, they're claiming over themselves as part of their identity. And I love that you are having people say positive things because this would be a great time to say, 
who are you? You are a mom. You are a wife. You are a daughter. You are a professional. You are, you are joyful. You are whatever. What are you, what do you want to be your identity as opposed to what are you saying as part of your identity? Yeah. hundred percent. We have to really listen to how we talk to ourselves and what our body is telling us. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you are not what's wrong with you. Um, I don't know why we tend to focus so much on what's wrong as opposed to what's going well. It's like the report card analogy. Um, you have all A's and a C in science. What do people have you focus on? The science. That's what people have you focus on because it's your so-called weakness. Well, why aren't people saying like, you are good at math. You love math. Let's get you into more math stuff. Cause you're naturally really good at it. You love it. It makes you happy. Um, we instead want to focus on, well, what's, what's your weakness or what is not coming as naturally to you? Um, cause you have to fit some sort of norm. You have to fit some sort of like standard. Um, if you have a really hard time running, your body doesn't like to run. Um, if you really want to run, we'll get you there. If you like it, you know, cool, we'll do it. But maybe you hate running. Maybe you want to lift. Maybe you want to dance. Maybe you want to do yoga. Like, why don't we do that instead? Why are you focusing on what's wrong with you yeah. instead of just using it as a tool that your body wants to communicate? Yeah. So yeah. Finding things we enjoy to do and enjoy them. Don't put ourselves in this category. We have to do something because we think we have to do it. Yeah. I don't know why we do that. Why do we do that? No. <laughs> no. I think it's, we're trained to do it. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just so much easier to listen to the negative things that we're saying about ourselves or that we feel when we look at Instagram. It's just yeah. so much easier to listen to those things than to listen to the positive things. You know, even when patients, it's crazy when patients have success, they'll come into the clinic and I'm like, how have things been going? And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I love asking this question. If 0% was where you started and 100% is where you want to be, what percent are you at right now? And I'll have a patient say like, I feel like I'm like 80% better. I'm like, 80%? Like, that's amazing. And they're like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, well, what's changed? Last week, you said 40%. Like, what's changed? She's like, well, I mean, I guess I was able to go through my workout without leaking. And I'm like, that's amazing. And they're just like, so focused on the fact that they still have cluster peeing at night, or they still feel urgency in the middle of their workout. They're just so focused on what's still wrong that they can't see the major wins that are happening, the major successes, the major freedoms, the, you know, I had sex with my husband and I haven't been able to do that in 10 years, you know, but they're still concentrating on the fact that, well, I couldn't have an orgasm yet. Like we'll get there, but like, can we please celebrate the fact that you had pain-free sex? Like that's amazing, you know? Um, but we just are so inclined to focus on that, that negative. And it really does. It really, if I could just s- communicate one thing to the people listening, it's it, well, other than you are not what's wrong with you, but your brain is so important to unlock your healing, what you're saying and feeling about yourself and allowing yourself to continue feeling, um, is the difference between you experiencing healing and you, you not experiencing healing. And, and I like, 
again, I'm, I'm definitely stealing that positive affirmation in the, in the treatment session thing, because it's one thing to feel broken or to feel sad or to feel discouraged. That's okay. You can't really, you know, change the fact that you felt those things, but what you can do is speak truth. What you can do is say, yeah, I'm feeling sad, but here are three things I'm grateful for today. And here are the wins that I've had. And, you know, here are the things that I'm happy about and here, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, you're not going to change the fact that you felt sad. I mean, that's okay. It's totally fine to acknowledge that. Um, but you're taking steps towards your healing because you're allowing those positive hormones and, and emotions to flow in and you're focusing on the good things that are happening and, and heading in the right direction. Yeah. I call it flipping the script when those negative things come into our head, we just flip the script and change it to something more positive. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. I was reading a book. Um, it's called, well, gosh, now I'm not going to remember seven decisions or something like that. Um, so good. But one of the things that you have to do in there is to write down the unhelpful things you're saying about yourself. So an example would be like, um, I can never lose weight. Is that helpful? Is that a helpful thing to say? No. Um, a helpful thing to say, rewriting the script would be like, um, I have trouble sticking to a workout. That's a helpful thing to say, because now, you know, oh, well, I got to figure out how to stick to a workout or I don't feel like I'm drinking enough water during the day. That's a helpful statement, um, to say something like I, you know, postpartum sucks and I, I don't feel right in my body. It's not really a helpful thing to say. Um, but to say, maybe I want to work on my strength postpartum, or I want to work on um, getting back to the things I used to love. Those are very helpful statements. And so rewriting the script in those things not only helps you mentally, but then actually gives you action points to know where to go in your healing. Yeah. Rewrite the script. I really like that. Ah. It's really good. I love it. Anything else you want to cover before we kind of just wrap it up? No, I, th- I think yeah. Hitting on those main things before healing. What are you feeling during healing? What are you feeling after healing? What are you feeling? Being able to speak about those as a practitioner is important, but then knowing how to, to take advantage of those feelings as a client or as a patient is really going to help you in your healing journey. Um, and I'm really thankful that we get to work in jobs that allow us to speak about those things with our clients. Um, we're, we're dealing with such intimate, vulnerable situations Mm -hmm. and it's really great to be able to see people change their lives. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's sometimes the first time they've ever said these things out loud other than in their head to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that safe space for people to say those things. Um, man, I love, I just love what we do. I know. I mean, it's why I do what I do. I wake up in the morning and I'm not a morning person. I'm always like, I don't want to wake up. Like I feel that way every day. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to work. And it's not that I don't want to go to work. It's that I don't want to yeah. <laughs> But then I get to work and it just, it all comes back. Like, this is why I get up. This is why I do what yeah. I do. Making that difference, hearing these women's stories and helping. Like it's life-changing for me as much as them too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that um, you allowed me to talk with you about these things and just okay. kind of talk discuss the emotions and the, the mental change that needs to happen. Um, 
It's so important. It's, it's not what gets covered a lot. Right. Instead, it's like, this is what we need to do. This is why you're leaking. Yeah, I think that emotional part of it is just as much part of the healing than the physical. So. Yeah, what's it called? The biopsychosocial model yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things we learned about in school. How many models out there? But yeah, 100%. That's, it's part of the healing process. Yeah. Okay. Well, if people want to reach out to you, how can they connect to you? Um, I social media wise, I'm probably on Instagram more than anything else. Uh, plus one physical therapy all spelled out plus one physical therapy is my Instagram. And that's probably how I communicate with people, um, the most other than via email. Um, people can go to, um, my website, uh, which you can go to the probably easiest one is pelvicproject.com which is where I, you know, deal with online programs and stuff for people. And from there, you can email me if you need anything. I think the thing that I would like to say to people, and I'm sure you feel the same way is, um, you're never bothering us by reaching out and whether it's through uh, people are very hesitant to reach out to, to any form of doctor or professional, you know, reach out via Instagram, reach out via email. If you have a question, it's, this is what I do for a living and I would do it for free. Um, I can't cause I have to, you know, pay for childcare and stuff <laughs> and things, um, mortgage, uh, but I would do it for free. And I love, love, love talking about it as somebody who's gone through stuff, been through the emotional mental journey myself. I love talking about it. It is my passion. If you can't tell already. So, um, find me on Instagram, email me via my website, pelvicproject.com. You're not bothering me. I'd love to talk to you about your journey. I love that. Yes. Reach out for sure. I will put all that in the show notes so people will have that. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for just sharing your time and your day with us. I'm so grateful just to have you on here and grateful to have you in Nashville. We are so blessed with such talented and passionate just practitioners here. We do have an amazing community. I was, I'm shocked um, at how amazing our pelvic community is here. I mean, you were one of the first people I met and connected with here that did pelvic rehab. And I, I just am overwhelmed at at how amazing this community is. I know you've had a lot of these people that practice around here on your podcast. And it just, if I could tell anybody, like any of these women are amazing. <laughs> it's just like, like we are just so fortunate to have these people um, in, in Nashville and surrounding areas. So it's an honor to be on here. I'm very grateful for what you do and your efforts to make women's health and pelvic health and the whole journey more accessible to people through this podcast. I know what a commitment it is to do this content. So I'm very, I'm very thankful that you take the time to do it. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope everyone has a great week and I will talk to y'all next week. Thanks again, Laura.